0: As we're going through Isaiah, we are in Isaiah Chapter forty eight. Isaiah Chapter forty eight. Let's pray before we begin, Lord. Just thank you so much for speaking to us through your word. And Lord, we just sit here with expectation this evening, uh, wanting to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 1, hear this, O house of Jacob, who are called by the name of Israel, and have come forth from the wellsprings of Judah, who swear by the name of the Lord, And make mention of the God of Israel, but not in truth or in righteousness. For they call themselves after the holy city and lean on the God of Israel. The Lord of hosts is his name. So these last couple chapters, again, a little context here. This is a prophecy given to the people who are in exile. They have been removed from Jerusalem. They have been taken prisoner and literally dragged 900 miles away to modern-day Iraq. Um, Israel was overrun by the Babylonians because of judgment against uh, against Israel after the prophets warned them and warned and warned and warned. They didn't heed. And so uh, they are now living in Babylon, and this prophecy, which was actually written 150 years before they were ever in Babylon, is given to them. And the last few chapters have been making reference to an emperor by the name of Cyrus, and uh, that Cyrus would be the one to uh, give an order in his empire, to let the Jews go back to Jerusalem, and so, uh, in chapter, the last few chapters have been about this, and and uh, it begins here again with sort of another word, just speaking uh, truth. Uh, into their lives, that their hearts are are not quite right yet. And it says, hear this, O house of Jacob, who are called by the name of Israel. So what does Jacob mean? Remember? Deceiver, deceiver, liar, heel catcher. And it says, hear this, O house of the deceiver, who are called by the name of Israel Israel means governed by God and and so the first few verses here he's not complimenting them at all when he calls them you know you're a house that has had a history of lying and deceiving but you were you're called by a different name you're called governed by God and on on Wednesday morning at Wednesday morning prayer um, uh, over at J.P. Licks. Free parking, by the way. 6.45 a.m. prayer if you want to join us. Uh, we've been having a great time. But we've been, we've. I give a little lesson in prayer every Wednesday morning, and, and I've been teaching on, uh, I, I taught about praying in the name of Jesus. Thank God that we can go, I don't go to God in the name of Steve. <laughs> and I go to God in the name of Jesus, because when when I go in the name of Jesus, you know, the Lord uh, sees just like he sees me and all my righteousness because of of Jesus giving me his righteousness. I'm not going in my name. And it's the same kind of concept here. You're called, um, you know, you're a house of, of deceit, but you're called... By the name of Israel, and it says, "And have come forth from the wellsprings of Judah." Now, that's not a compliment. Judah was uh, the one of the sons of of Jacob, and he had a pretty bad rap sheet. Anyone remember that Judah? So, among other things, he he you know slept with his daughter in law thinking she was uh, a prostitute uh, in addition to that he came up with the plan to sell joseph into slavery and uh, you know was was sort of forever remember for that and 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 he's telling him look you have a bad history here. In addition, he says in the rest of the verse, who swear by the name of the Lord and make mention of the God of Israel, but not in truth or in righteousness. Meaning, you know, it's sort of like, I know for me, before I became a Christian, I I would say things like, I swear to God, and I would say something. Or I swear to God that really happened, or I swear to God this will happen in the future, but then I broke the word, I broke my word. They were doing the same. They make mention of the God of Israel, but not in truth or in righteousness. I do find, uh, find it really amusing that after we come to the Lord, we quit swearing like that. We don't swear, say, I swear to God anymore, but we start walking in truth. In other words, we keep our word. <laughs> it's, it's really interesting. Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Just, look, just tell the truth and do what you say you're going to do and leave it at that. You don't have to swear. Verse 2, it says, for they call themselves after the holy city and they lean on the God of Israel, the Lord of hosts is his name. He goes on in verse 3, I have declared the former things from the beginning. They went forth from my mouth, and I caused them to hear it. Suddenly I did them, and they came to pass, because I knew that you were obstinate, and your neck was an iron sinew. In other words, they were sticknef, They were stubborn, stubborn, and your brow bronze. Even from the beginning I have declared it to you. Before it came to pass, I proclaimed it to you, lest you should say, my idol has done them. And my carved image and my molded image have commanded them. And so, uh, what this is saying is that that lest Israel turn to foreign gods and idolatry, and God judge them for it lest they should say you know i prospered because i had this idol you know in my life and 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 you know it's this, the lord does the same thing with his children to this day you know we'll be married to a career a career becomes an idol and then all of a sudden you know our life comes crashing down and and it's the lord's way of chastening us so that we're not saying oh like you know that career brought me all this happiness no The Lord and the Lord alone brings us happiness, and that's the the thought there. In verse 6, it says, You have heard, see all this, and will you not declare it? I have made you hear new things from this time, even hidden things, and you did not know them. They are created now and not from the beginning, and before this day you have not heard them, lest you should say, Of course I knew them. Surely you did not hear, surely you did not know, surely from long ago your ear was not open, for I knew that you would deal very treacherously and were called a transgressor from the womb. Now, the Lord is going to start um, speaking to them um, about the fact that he is going to rescue them, but he's, gonna, he's just reminding them here, it has nothing to do with your righteousness. A- and he is saying In the middle of verse 6, he says, I have made you hear new things from this time. He says, I'm going to start telling you new things, how you are going to be reestablished in Jerusalem as a nation. Uh, But again, he's just reminding them, it it has nothing to do with you. It says at the end of verse 8, you were called a transgressor from the womb. Now, sometimes it's hard for us to cope with, to deal with the fact that um, you know, the Bible says that we're, we're not sinners because of the sinful things we do. We're sinners because we inherited sin from Adam. We inherited sin from our, our you know, our, our parents. Uh, and, and he's just reminding them, really, that what he's going to be doing is a sovereign act of grace. It says in verse 9, For my name's sake will I defer my anger. And for my praise, I will refrain it from you so that I do not cut you off. So they had done everything conceivable to have God cut them off forever. Again, one of the last kings of Israel, Manasseh, says he shed so much innocent blood that the blood went from one side of Jerusalem all the way to another. He consulted mediums. He did witchcraft. He pre- presented his kids to Molech. Molech was a um, a, 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 a god from the Ammonites, and, and it was a, a statue of bronze with arms that they would um, heat up to, 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 to burning iron, and they would put the babies on the arms of Molech. And, and they did this, and, and God is saying, look, it, it, it goes, it's only because of my grace, not because of of your track record uh, that I did not cut you off. For behold, verse 10, I have refined you, but not as sil- silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction for my own sake, for my own sake, I will do it. Now, when he repeats himself like that, as we've talked about, From time to time, when you see a repetition, everything in the Word of God is important, but when God repeats Himself like this, let's really focus on it just for a second. I want to do that. He says, For my own sake, for my own sake, I will do it. And it's interesting there. What's He talking about? He's talking about them being refined and them being tested in the furnace of affliction. So often we talked about going through trials, going through the furnace of affliction, going through tremendous uh, chastening and trials, and we think of it in terms of what God is doing in our own life. He's making us. He's fashioning us into his image. He's transforming us into the likeness of Christ. He's taking us from glory to glory, and that is true. But here you read something else. He's doing it for his own sake. <laughs> you know, it, it, so oftentimes we have such an egocentric, such a self-absorbed way of looking at our trials. Well, God's gonna, making us into a better person. Yeah, but, you know, even that is is a little bit too much focus on self. God's doing it for his own glory. That's why he's restoring us. That's why... You know, we don't deserve the furnace of affliction. We don't deserve to have him make us better. We don't deserve to have him make us into a more useful tool. We were transgressors from the womb, it says. We have a long track record. We, just like it says at the beginning of the chapter, we swore to God. We we violated, is that the, what commandment is that? Is that the fourth, no, fourth commandment? Taking the Lord's name in vain? (laughs) Come on, one of you knows it. What's that? Third. Mike McMillan, he knows those ten commandments. The third commandment. We violated the, the, the third commandment. We, uh, you know, we're, we're doing, we're, we're just going through religious exercises. That's what we have in our past. Listen, supremely, we, are, we go through, the, God puts us through the refiner's fire for his own sake, for his own sake, I will do it for how should my name be profaned and how, And I will not give my glory to another. By the way, when he says, for my name's sake, I will defer my anger. What does that mean? So what part of his name? The Bible says that God has a name, but it's not Bob, Mike, or Sally. It's characters traits what part of god's name makes him he's always committed to having his name upheld what part of his name what name of his his mercy his what loving kindness good his loving kindness his mercy One of God's name is mercy, mercy, loving kindness, for my name's sake. So everyone will be able to say, wow, look at the history of Israel. I hear all the time, I don't read the Old Testament as a God of anger and hate. They haven't read the Old Testament if they say that. It is shocking, after you read the history of Israel, why God ever, why he decided not to cut them off. His mercy, his name, mercy. Mercy is one of his name. Loving kindness, one of his name. It's a name of God, his loving kindness. Uh, and and it says, for, so that everyone will see, wow, look at how he's dealt with Israel. His name is true. He is true to his name. He is who he has said he was. He is who his name is. Verse 12, listen to me, O Jacob and Israel, my called... Isn't that a neat, isn't that a, I shouldn't use the word neat. It sounds too trite. Israel, my called. Isn't that cool to think you're his called? So he's giving you a name. You're his called. You've been grafted into Israel. I am he. I am the first. I am the, also the last. You guys recognize that from somewhere? Come on, we just did this. Revelation. Indeed, my hand has laid the foundation of the earth, and my right hand has stretched out the heavens. When I call to them, they stand up together. Does that remind anyone of a verse that we studied? When I call to them, they stand up together. Hebrews chapter Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1, 2, and 3, a description of who Jesus is. He upholds all things by the word of his power. Same concept here at the end of verse 13. When I call to them, they stand together. What stands together? The foundation of the earth, the heavens. He keeps them together by the word of his mouth. Verse 14, all of you assemble yourselves in here. Who among them has declared these things? The Lord loves him. He shall do his pleasure on Babylon. His arm shall be against the Chaldeans. I, even I, have spoken. Yes, I have called him. I have brought him, and his way will prosper. Come near to me. Hear this. I have not spoken in secret from the beginning. From the time that it was, I was there. And now the Lord God and his spirit have sent me. Now, verse 16. For you Bible geeks, and I hope every single one of you is. Verse 16 is a comes completely out of nowhere. And it's one of these things. Um, every once in a while you'll see a voice, a, a, a verse in the middle of a prophecy. And you're like, where did that come from? It has nothing really to do with before or after. Uh, I think of one of my favorite is Genesis 49 where that's that famous chapter where Jacob is prophesying about each of his sons and right in the middle of it, he just blurts out, I have waited for you, your salvation, O Lord. I mean, this is kind of the same thing. Verse 16 here, come near to me. Now let's read this really carefully. Hear this, I have not spoken in secret from the beginning. From the time that it was, I was there. And now the Lord God and his spirit have sent me. Who is speaking there? Who? Be a little bit more specific. Come on. Jesus. Really interesting verse. He goes, by the time that it was, I was there. Speaking about the beginning... He says, "From the time of the beginning, I was there." So obviously, this was this is this is God. But then he goes, "But the Lord God and His Spirit have sent me." Isn't that interesting? Anyone else find that kind of fascinating? There's there's one hand. What is that? In one verse, you have what the Trinity exactly: the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Clear a clear reference there um, to, the, to, to the Trinity. He's saying, at the beginning, I, w- I was there at the beginning, and now the Lord God and his spirit have sent me. I don't know. I, 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 I thought that was a really cool verse, but it, then it just goes right back to something else. Verse 17, thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord, your God, who teaches you to profit, Oh, this is corporate America's favorite verse. But the thing is, if you do a word study, every time that particular word in the Hebrew is used, it's it's just talking generally about being blessed. It's not talking about money, although that's that can be, right? That can be uh, one aspect of being blessed. But if you do a word study, it's just who teaches you to profit and you know I, I do I do find it really really interesting that the Lord does teach us how to be blessed. He teaches us how to be blessed. You know, just um it was just in Haiti talking at this conference to these business people and stuff and the theme was, you know, how is Haiti gonna be reconstructed and and uh you know one of the themes, I was there with a businessman, a wealthy uh, businessman who I was really b- blessed by him, and, uh, you know, one of the things that we, w- one of the themes was, you know, at some point in that country, someone is going to have to stop taking bribes. It leads the Western hemif- Hemisphere in, uh, in corruption, and it's going to have to start with Christians and the, the theme that we got over and over and over again, and this has happened actually it happened the following day when Scott and I were taking questions it 's why is there so many problems in this country when everyone 's a Christian but yet the 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 spiritual mature Christians of the country are the first to say that that 's a cop out. The Christians are not telling the truth. <laughs> They are out they 're part of the corruption they 're part of the problem. Pastor Serge will be the first to 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 say that this says i 'm the lord your God who teaches you to profit. be blessed. you are blessed by just telling the truth and and one of the things that I just talked about was you know i i had i I used to be. I guess I'm technically I still am because I still have my license, but I was a lawyer, a lo- Christian lawyer. That's an oxymoron. I mean, come on, they're completely inconsistent. And, you know, from the time I graduated from law school, don't you have to lie? But the thing is, if you live by faith in the word of God, that if you tell the truth, sure you may get fired but as a general rule people will start paying you money and then they'll start paying you a lot of money because you're the only one who's telling the truth <laughs> because owners like people managers like people who don't lie, cheat and steal and, 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 and that's just one of many ways that the Lord teaches us how to be blessed if we live by the word of God we will be blessed. It may have nothing to do with financially, but, but it, it, you know, we were talking this morning about parenting. You want to be blessed as a parent. There's no guarantees because kids can completely go their own way, but you follow what the word of God says about being a parent, which starts with, this is Mary. She went to, to the Passover every year, even though she was never required to. She, she, would have been, she would have done good enough by staying home. But good enough is not enough if you're a parent. Good enough is not good enough. If you follow the word of God and what it says about being a parent, and you take seriously your own relationship to the world, with, with the Lord, you will be blessed. You will be blessed. God teaches you to be, how to be blessed, how to profit. He leads you by the ways you should go. Verse 18, and I really have always loved this verse because this, you know, Jesus, the Lord is my shepherd. This is the heart of a shepherd. Oh, that you had heeded my commandments. Then your peace would have been like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. That is a pastor. That is a shepherd speaking. And, and, you know, just preparing for this message, reading this verse. It was just, I, it was emotional to me because it is, it's just distressing to me as a pastor over the years seeing uh, men and women, young men and young women loaded with gifts. Gifts that, m- many gifts that I don't even come close to having. And seeing them waste it. Their peace would have been like a river. Their righteousness like the waves of the sea. Their ministry could have been so much fruitful. Yet seeing year after year after year. The same old mediocrity. Jesus says, I'd rather you be hot or cold but lukewarm. I'll spit you out of my... Just the lukewarmness in their life. And no fruit. Oh, that you had heeded my commandments. Your peace would have been like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Of course, he's referring there to the fact that, you know, their country was overrun by enemies and it had to. God had to do it. He had to, uh, you know, God upholds his 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 word above his name. and And, and so his reputation... Sure, I'm sure, was trashed when the nation of Israel had to be destroyed it's like oh yeah nice God over there he doesn't even protect his people but the Bible says he upholds his word above his name his reputation always comes second to his word and his word is you, you reap what you sow even if you're my own children and eventually he, his, even his own children he had to honor his own word and, he, and they had to reap what they sowed. But I love that verse, verse 18, because it's a shepherd's heart. Oh, that you would have heeded my commandments. Your peace would have been like a river, your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Your descendants also would have been like the sand, and the offspring of your body like the grains of sand. His name would, have, would not have been cut off nor destroyed from before me. So none of this had to happen, none of it. Now if you are one of these people who are sort of, um, I guess you would describe yourself as a five-point Calvinist, you know, I don't know what you do with verses like this. In my mind... God is no, going to have his way, and it doesn't depend one single bit on my free will. On the other hand, the Bible teaches free will. I can't reconcile those. They can only be reconciled in the mind of God, just like the Trinity. I can't come up with a natural explanation of uh, three persons yet one. But if I can figure out the God that I'm worshiping, then he's not worth worshiping. <laughs> And, and, and so this says it didn't have to be like that. Now, look, we, I just had a five-point Calvinist speak at our men's breakfast, and he was great, and I'm going to have breakfast with him soon. And my brother goes to John Piper's church, and I love those guys. But in my mind, both things are taught in the Bible, and you cannot reconcile them. They can only be reconciled in the mind of God. It says right here you would have been like the sand the offsprings of your body like the grains of the sand his name would not have been clear expression that there is such a thing as free will it could have been different but i don't understand i can't reconcile that with the fact that because i completely agree That my salvation and God's way in my life, ultimately, God's always going to have his way. I I can't explain those things. and It's been driving people crazy for 2,000 years trying to figure those two things out. But the Bible teaches both things. Verse 20, "Go go forth from Babylon, flee from the Chaldeans with a voice of singing, declare, proclaim this, utter it to the ends of the earth, say, the Lord has redeemed his servant Jacob." And they did not thirst when he led them through the deserts. He caused the waters to flow from the rock for them. He also split the rock and the waters gushed out. There is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. And that's true. And don't ever let yourself just give in to the lie that the wicked are prospering. And uh, I remember the first sermon I ever gave uh, was many, many years ago, <laughs> and it was from Psalm 73, and it was just the Psalm, Psalm 73, there's this, the psalmist is going, you know, I looked at the, the wicked, and oh, they don't have any cares in life, and they're just prospering, and they're being blessed, and, uh, and, and then it just goes on to say, he goes on to say that this tormented me until I walked into the sanctuary of God. And he realized, no, that's a big, fat lie. It is a lie. The Bible says there is no peace for the wicked. Remember, Madonna went on record as saying every one of her friends was an emotional cripple. Doesn't sound like peace to me. Chapter 49, this is a fabulous chapter about Messiah. There's going to be a major break here. In the f- previous few chapters, uh, in the f- uh, in, in the previous few chapters, it, it it talks about mainly about Cyrus and the f- and how he was going to rescue the uh, Jewish people from the Babylonians. But now it's just going to be talking about. Messiah and how he was going to rescue them, but ultimately that he was going to bring redemption to the world. Listen, O coastlands, to me, and take heed, you peoples, from afar. The Lord has called me from the womb, from the matrix of my mother. He has made mention of my name. So here we get back into... Uh, well, rather, this is, this is the Messiah here. Speaking. The Lord has called me from the matrix of my uh, mother's uh, from the matrix of my mother. He's called me from the womb. He has made my mouth like a sharp sword. In Revelation chapter 1, Jesus appears to John, and he has a sword coming out of his mouth. In the shadow of his hand he has hidden me. And made me a polished shaft in his quiver, he has hidden me. And he said to me, you are my servant, you are my servant, O Israel, in whom I will be glorified. Then I said, I have labored in vain, I have spent my strength for nothing and in vain, yet surely my just reward is with the Lord and my work with my God. Now that's Messiah Jesus speaking, but... That needs to be explained. I, I need to go on a little bit more here. This, The first seven, eight verses, all about Jesus. And now the Lord says, who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him so that Israel is gathered to him, for I shall be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my God shall be my strength. Indeed, he says, it is true. It is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will give you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel, their Holy One, to him whom man despises, to him who the nation nation. Uh, abhors to the servant of rulers kings shall see and rise princes also shall worship because the Lord who is faithful the Holy One of Israel and he has chosen you. So this is not who is the you at the end of verse 7? It's certainly not um, Isaiah. It is not Israel Themselves, because it says here, it says, "I'm going to." It says in verse six uh, there that he's going to use whoever this you is to to bring back, to raise up the tribes of Jacob, to restore. Middle of verse six, the the preserved ones of Israel. So it's it's clear it couldn't be Israel itself. He's talking about the Messiah here. Uh, It says. In verse 8, in an acceptable time, I have heard you, and in the day of salvation, I have helped you. I will preserve you and give you as a covenant to the people to restore the earth to cause them to inherit the desolate heritages. So now I was talking about this morning, the new covenant, Jesus actually is the new covenant. The best way to just, the old covenant was the covenant of the law the letter of the law was replaced by the new covenant. The best way to describe the, the new covenant is that the new covenant is Jesus. Jesus actually is the new covenant. That's who it's described here. I will give, give you as a covenant to the people to restore the earth. Now, verse 3 is an interesting verse. Verses 3 and 4 in terms of interpreting them, they're a little harder because he says, he, call, he appears to call Jesus here Israel. And it's the only time in the Bible where Jesus is called Israel. He said to me, you are my servant, O Israel. So, in whom I will be glad, glorified. Interesting name there for, for Jesus, ultimately Um, The definition of Israel being governed by God, although there's also a number of other definitions, but governed by God. He was the only one ever to fulfill that. He was truly governed by God. Verse 4 becomes even a little bit more difficult, but I don't think so when you read you know, the last few chapters of Matthew, it's 7 verse 4. Then I said, I have labored in vain, I have spent my strength for nothing and in vain, yet surely my just reward is with the Lord and my work is with God. Now, why would Jesus ever say that? Uh, this is all seems to be Jesus talking or God talking to Jesus. Well, I be- personally, I believe this and, and, you know, commentators differ on this. Uh, some of them just believe, well, this is Jesus speaking. Or just He was a man of sorrows, and he's he was discouraged like everyone else. I think this is just talking about the Garden of Gethsemane. He's sweating. Uh, his sweat were like drops of blood, literally blood, broken capillaries. Uh, it's an actual medical condition that happens that can happen under extreme stress. And he's, uh, Gethsemane, you know, Satan is discouraging him, and he's like, Ugh, look, all you know the, everyone has left me, um, and, and, and this is, is just a, a, a he, he's just discouraged here. This is a picture of just Gethsemane, but then in verse four, at the end of verse four, it says, "Yet, surely my just reward is with the Lord." In other words, not my will, but your will." and says, "And my work with my God." In other words, I'm just going to go through with this no matter what. Uh, And so um, God, it says in verse 5, formed Jesus from the womb to be his servant to bring Jacob back to him and and also to be a a, a light to the Gentiles. And so we've been reading in Luke 1 about how that was true. The the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary, Jesus' father, was God. And he was formed in the womb, why? To bring Jacob back to him so that Israel would be gathered to him. Uh, For I shall be glorious in the uh, eyes of the Lord, and God shall be my strength. And so throughout the Old Testament, it is clear, as we see in the middle of verse 6, that that Messiah would come not only for Israel, he would also come for the nations, or the word Gentiles there means goyim, it means the nations, and it says that you, meaning Jesus, should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. In other words, God's salvation would go to the ends of the earth, and what would be the means of his salvation? Who's the you? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Verse 7 uh, we often, I've been putting Isaiah 53 three, Sunday morning that he was despised, rejected by man. Here's another reference to that in the middle of verse 7. To him who man despises, to him who the nation abhors. And the nation of Israel truly uh, abhorred him. Uh, but then it says, king shall see and arise, princes also shall worship Because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, and he has chosen you. So, uh, amazing messianic verse. Also verse 9, same thing. This is a confirmation of of when when you see the Messiah, this is is what the Messiah is going to do. Verse 19, he's going to say to the prisoners, go forth. To those who are in darkness, show yourselves that they shall feed along the road, and their pastors shall be on all desolate heights. I love Psalm 23. And the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He leads me besides green pastures. Um, he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Even in the valley, the shadow of death, I, shadow of death, I will fear no harm. And it's the same concept here. It says, "You shall feed along the roads, and their pasture shall be on desolate heights." Meaning, you know, even in, even in a, a desolate life, we can feed, you know, on, on, on God's pasture. Now, I believe these verses, my personal opinion, is all talking about not. The gathering of Israel, but it's the gathering of the Gentiles. It's sort of, or the nations. It's sort of going back to um, verse six, where it says he was going to be a light to the d- Gentiles. It says, They shall neither hunger nor thirst, neither heat nor sun shall strike them, for he who has mercy on them will lead them, even by the springs of water, he will guide them. You know, we can incorporate all these things. And believe them as promises for us, that by the springs of waters, God will guide us. And I will make each of my mountains a road, and my highways shall be elevated. It's, it's, you know, sometimes we have a mountain before us, and we forget that that mountain before us, that problem, that big thing that we don't think is ever going to move, it's God's. <laughs> calls it my mountain. Uh, and, and, and what's one way to look at the best way to look at our problems is they're God's problems they're his mountain I will make my mountain a road and my highway shall be elevated surely these shall come from afar look these from the north and west and from the land of Sinem and and the commentators think that word generally means s- speaking of the Gentiles from or from people from just the far reaches Uh, of the earth sing O heavens be joyful O earth break forth break out in singing O mountains for the Lord has comforted his people and will have mercy on his afflicted but Zion said the Lord has forsaken me and my Lord has forgotten me now I believe what's going on here is that these are all the Gentiles being restored by God and verses 10, 11, 12, and 13. And this is Zion being provoked to jealousy here. Paul refers to that, that, that God's gonna raise up the, the Gentile nations to be his people, and the hope being that the, the Israelites will be provoked to jealousy, and that's what's going on here. But Zion, the Lord is, Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me, and my Lord has forgotten me. And this is, God's response to them and this is why at Calvary Chapel we believe that Israel modern the establishment of modern day Israel there's still a plan for literally the nation and the people of Israel it's because of verses like this can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb surely they may forget yet I will not forget you see I have inscribed you On the palms of my hands, your walls are continually before me. Now, inscribed on the palms of my hands, this verse, and I think there's a couple others, you know, maybe a reference to the cross and how our our name is actually there and, you know, on the palms of his hands. But this is really a reference as well to Jerusalem where he says, your walls, meaning the walls of Jerusalem. Look, I haven't forgot you. Your walls are continually before me. Your sons shall make haste. Your destroyers and those who laid you away shall go away from you. So he's saying, no, I'm going to restore you. I'm going to restore Israel. I'm going to have an ingathering gathering after the fullness of the time of the Gentiles is complete. In the New Testament, where it talks about the full, when the fullness of the times of the Gentiles is complete, I believe it's, it, it, personally it's a reference to the type of thing we're reading right now in Isaiah 49, uh, you know, Jesus is going to return and, and there will be another ingathering gathering of, of, of Jews as you read about in Revelation. Verse 18, lift up your eyes, look around and see all these gather together and come to you as I live. You shall surely clothe yourselves with them all as an ornament and bind them on you as a bride does. For your waist and desolate places in the land of your destruction will even now be too small for the inhabitants. And I don't know, that sounds like Israel to me today. It's, it, this is referring to an in-gathering of people, and <laughs> there's so many Jewish people in Israel. I don't know what the population is per mile there, but it's some off-the-charts thing. And, and, and it's just saying that now I'm going to bring you back and uh, and the place that you're in is going to be too small for the inhabitants. Verse 20, the children you will have after you have lost the others will say again in your ears, this place is too small for me. Give me a place where I may dwell. Then you will say in your heart, who has begotten these for me since I have lost my children and, I, and am desolate, a captive and wandering to and fro? And who has brought me up? There I was, left alone, but these, but these, where were they? Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will lift up my hands in an oath to the nations and set up my standard for the people. They shall bring your sons in their arms, and your daughters shall be carried on their shoulders. Kings shall be your foster-fathers and their queens, your nursing mothers. This is talking about the millennial reign where Jesus sets up his kingdom. Um, in the nation we now know as Israel and, and, and he's going to rule from there and Israel it says in the end of going on in verse 23 they shall bow down to you with their faces to the earth and lick up the dust of your feet then you will know that I am the Lord for they shall not be ashamed who wait for me so this is just speaking of a time where you know there's United Nations uh, decree it's not a decree what it Where's Don? Don, what do they call the United Nations? It's not a decree. What do they call those things that they do? Orders? Resolutions. Who said that? Very good. Yes. Don, come on. You usually get that right immediately. Oh, that's true. Well, resolution after resolution, the, overwhelmingly, uh, there's these resol- resolutions coming against Israel, and, and it's usually one person against it, the, the United States and maybe a couple other uh, uh, other countries, this is saying there will come a time where all the nations will bow down to Israel, verse 23, with their faces to the earth. And We believe this is talking about the millennial reign. Verse 24, shall the prey be taken from the mighty or the captives of the righteous be delivered? But thus says the Lord... Even the captains of the mighty shall be taken away and the prey of the terrible be delivered. For I will contend with him who contends with you. Again, a reference to all these nations that have come against Israel, that God's going to contend with them. He says, I will save your children. End of verse 25. I will feed those who oppress you with, and this gets kind of gross here. I will feed those who oppress you with their own flesh. They shall be drunk with their own blood as with sweet wine. All flesh shall know that I, the Lord, am your savior, your redeemer, the mighty one of Jacob, thus says the Lord. So a reference in verse 26 to the types of things you read about in Revelation where there's this tremendous judgment against the nations who gather up uh, and try to uh, destroy Israel. So God is going to have his way. We will end there this evening. And we.